So Money Episode 725, Ask Farnoosh, with special co-host, Catherine Alford. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everyone. Welcome back. May 4th. Tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo. Cheers. This is actually a pretty great week. It's an anniversary week, not for my marriage, but for my book, When She Makes More. I know a lot of you um, said that that book really was helpful in your marriages and in your financial life. It's a book that I launched four years ago today, actually, May 4th, 2014. I was pregnant with my first, about to burst and doing a media tour. I didn't know what was going to be on the other side of delivering this book to the world. And I'm just really excited to say that four years later, it's continuing to make a difference. And it's something that I think with the Me Too movement and equal pay and all of the women's rights movements that are escalated in the last, I would say, 18 months, that this book has become ever more relevant and needed, not only just in women's lives, but also in men's lives. A lot of guys have come up to me and say, you know what, thank you for writing this book because it's helped me understand my wife better. It's helped me also have a voice in my relationship because the book really does also talk about the male brain and the importance of respecting you know, your husband, your wife, and really being a team in the relationship. So For everybody who has read the book, supported the book, thank you. And for those of you who are embarking on a relationship, if you are the female making more, I would love to, um, I would love to introduce you to When She Makes More. And also this week, or rather at the tail end of last week, uh, the study that we, that, that I and Dr. Brad Klontz co-authored for the book. For the purposes of When She Makes More, we did a survey of a thousand women split between women who make more and women who make less than their partners and all the potential differences in the marriage from how they manage their finances to their happiness in their relationship. That actually got published in a journal recently in the Journal of Financial Therapy. So I'm a published author, y'all, not just books, but research. So I feel very nerdy and cool about that. And it's just great that it happened in concert with the book celebrating its fourth anniversary. Someone who is here on the show with us today co-hosting is a top earning woman. And I know for many years she supported her husband as he was going through medical school and she's been a guest on the show. She is an entrepreneur, a mompreneur, founder of katherineolford.com, financial expert. Catherine, welcome to So Money. It's so great to have you on the show given all that's happening this week and the book celebrating its fourth year. I know. I'm so excited to be here. I think this is my third time on the show. I don't know if that's a record, but I'm very honored it's, to be back. I think it's like, I don't think, I think that the, uh, the threes club is, it's a very small club okay. on so money. I think there, some okay. people have done two appearances, but three is definitely the maximum, I think. Okay. So, all uh, right. 
So I'm off after this. And so. for good, you know, and so yeah. <laughs> no, but really, you, you're such an asset to the audience. I know a lot of us already know who you are. But tell us a little bit more about what you've been up to since the last time you've been on the show. We've been friends for many years. I know what you've been up to, but inform the rest of us. Sure. Well, I am continuing my journey as a self-employed entrepreneur. I've now been self-employed for four years. I am still blogging at katherineolford.com, but the biggest change in the last year has been these really large brand partnerships. I just wrapped up a six-month partnership with Quicken Loans. We launched 10 videos and 30 blog posts called Her Wallet, so aimed at helping all different types of women um, learn how to use their finances better. And yeah, we have more slated for this year. Lots of great partnerships with banks and other companies coming up. So I'm really loving the video for our It's been really fun um, to have the teams come to my house, film my kids, and just really share that knowledge with everybody. I love that you have really built this amazing revenue stream. Tell us a little bit about how these brand partnerships come to life. I know that in some cases you are very proactive and in other cases they discover you because you're everywhere and you're doing great work and building momentum and have visibility. But, But more interested in how you actually approach some of these brands and get them excited about working with you. Sure. Well, um, to about two years ago, I moved from New York to Detroit and I was so bummed Farnoosh, you know that I was like, no, like I loved New York. I wanted to stay there. There's so many great work opportunities in the financial industry there, but I made it a point that when I came here, I would do a lot of outreach. So I, I reached out to a lot of big companies that are headquartered here. And interestingly enough, like for example, the Quicken Loans deal, I emailed them and they knew who I was. They had seen me speak at FinCon the year before. So as soon as I messaged them, like, that's great that you're here. We saw you speak. And um, I spoke on a panel um, with several other female entrepreneurs. So they sort of knew I was the real deal and that I was going to do great work. And it also kind of gave them a sense of my rate because we talked about that um, at the FinCon interview. So it was a great partnership on many different levels. And I also work with a talent agent and he keeps me in mind and brings deals to me every now and then. And that really helps too. But I just think you have to wake up every day and constantly put out good work, speaking, um, different podcast interviews. I'm constantly writing for other people and guest posting and submitting quotes and just keeping my name out there, right? So when someone searches something, if they're looking for someone with a family, since I do specialize in family finance, that they're starting to find me more and more. But I still have the hustle varnish. I still reach out a lot to people all the time. Forever and always. I'm, reminds always. you, I'm going to send you a hustle necklace, my friend. <laughs> okay. <thank you. laughs> um, my friend Margie Fox is the founder of a jewelry line. Oh, cute. And, I think I've seen that on your Instagram. Yeah, it's on my Instagram feed. And um, uh, be- before I forget, I want to tell you what the jewelry line is called. I'm going to do a shameless plug, but she does these great enamel jewelry pieces, bracelets, charms, um, and it's called Fitz and Hen, fitzandhen.com. They're after, they're named after her labradoodles, <laughs> Fitz okay. and Hen. And Margie comes from the PR marketing agency branding world for years. I mean, she had her own agency. She led um, Ogilvy America and now is kind of in this new chapter in her life where she wants to be really creative and do fun things. And um, so all this to say, you're getting, you're getting the hustle charm necklace. It's fitting. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. You're, I wear it. It's good luck. And it's very who you are. Before we get to our questions, I do want to also touch on the fact that 
Catherine, you are a mother to twins and a wifey, and I'm a wifey, and we take care of our husbands, right? Yes. Not just as wives, but as providers. Tell Mm -hmm. me a little bit about where you and your husband are in your financial life. And I know that part of moving to Detroit was because he was doing his, I believe, residency there. That's right. Yes. Graduated from medical school, matched here for residency. So I am still out earning him by about double. Um, And I tease him all the time that he won't be able to catch up, you know, even after he's done (laughs) and making a a full physician's income. But he he loves it and he welcomes that. And he's really appreciative of of what I bring in to help our family just, you know, survive, but also maintain sort of a fun lifestyle, too. But, yeah, he's halfway through this residency. And, um yeah, I mean, that's what we're doing. It's it's really, really busy, Farnoosh. I, he's gone a lot. The hours are very intense, way worse than medical school. So I'm holding down the fort over here with the twins and working in between taking them to preschool and all their little, you know how it goes, the swim lessons and ballet and all oh the little things gosh. they do. Um, yeah, so just hustling in between and just trying to constantly, you know, find new deals and keep the income up. And But I do enjoy having the flexible schedule because he is gone so much. And it's really helpful to him to know that I've got things handled over here. Yeah, there are only so many hours in the day. And I know that you're the queen of multitasking efficiently. So I will brag one of the things that you do, which is it's sort of behind the scenes. You know, it's 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 <laughs> like you, you package it as like, oh, I just, you know, I'm hustling and I'm making it work. But the real work is that, you know, sometimes you bring your kids to work or you like go to this gym, right, where there's childcare and you have oh, like yeah. Wi-Fi access so you can do your blogs. Um, so, so share a little bit about like the actual hustle behind the hustle. Sure. I mean, I am, I'm a huge proponent of the high end gym and I'm sure all my like frugal blogger friends are just cowering right now or like twitching, but I pay for a high end gym and it's $205 a month for our family. And I go there every day with my kids. They watch them for two and a half hours a day. They know my kids well. The reason it's high end is because the kids area is, it looks like a McDonald's play pace back there, like slides and all kinds of stuff. They make jewelry. It's kind of like a daycare inside the gym, but I just sit there with Wi-Fi. They have free coffee, free bagels every morning. And I work. I, I used to wear my gym clothes there for new to try to pretend like I'd go work out, but now I just wear my jeans. I'm like, look, it's not yeah. happening. I'm, I'm here to work, people. <laughs> You're not like, kidding anybody. Right? Yeah, I'm just like, okay, you guys see me sitting here. You know I don't make the transition down to the bike, so I'm just here in the cafe still. Um, but I do that. I work in the car a lot. If I, um, I always have my laptop with me. I actually finished a blog post on the car before my dentist appointment this morning. I got there a little early. I mean, any minutes I can get in between – I just feel like I don't watch TV. Uh, Occasionally, I'll get down a YouTube rabbit hole, but I very rarely watch TV. And I just try to really optimize my time. (laughs) So working in gyms, working in parking lots, not watching TV. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's how I roll. It's very glamorous, Um, right? Um, It is. It's super glamorous. That's how you – everybody sees the six-figure entrepreneur on Instagram, but I try to be honest in my stories. I'm like, this is how it's going today, guys. (laughs) You are very honest. And I know you do Facebook Lives and you're very active on social media. So people follow Catherine if you're not already. She's going to 
give you that pep in your step Thank you. <laughs> that yes. you need because <laughs> we're all human. Thank you for being yes. so transparent. Okay. So really looking forward to getting your perspectives on some of these people's questions. The first question is from Dave and he writes in, he went to somoneypodcast.com. He clicked on ask Farnoosh and he typed in this question. He said, Hey, Farnoosh, love the podcast. Did you like Ms. Party's answer about not caring about money? So what we, what he is referencing is Tammy Halton Party. She is the number one real estate investor uh, in Los Angeles. Her company, um, has sold more real estate in Los Angeles, in the Los Angeles area than any other, uh, that, that I guess we know of. And, she did say something, I guess, a little controversial, Dave's pointing out, and Kat, chime in when, if you feel sure. um, like you have a thought or two. But basically, she said, you know, I, I don't care about money. And he said that, you know, we heard from another guest about this very topic. It's something that people say a lot, and mm-hmm. I don't take them literally no. ever when they say that. I think that when you have the sort of privilege to not care about money, it sort of means that you have enough of it, you're doing the right things with it. And so now you can care about your life more than you can care about your money. And it's not to be dismissive or to be unappreciative or ungrateful, but I'll give you a story. I mean, when I walked into my financial advisor's office five years ago or however many years ago it was, we're not working with her any longer, not for bad reasons, just, you know, we kind of outgrew it. But she asked me, Farnoosh, what, what, where would you like to be in your financial life at some point? And how can I help you get there? And I said, I would like to get to a point where I just don't care about money anymore. And, <laughs> right. And, and she laughed and she, she got me. And I'm, you know, yeah. I'm talking to a financial advisor who talks about and cares about money all the time. It wasn't a disrespect. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I don't want to have to worry about whether I can afford something that I really want or want for my family. Do you feel yeah. that way? Yeah, no, I, and I took Tammy's comment as sort of coming from a place of abundance. Like I, after listening to her whole interview and she's probably, I mean, you've had a lot of philanthropic guests on your show, but she really gives she's a lot such of money. A giver, yeah, right? she is. So I took it to mean like, she doesn't really care about it in the sense that she just has this abundance mindset. She gives it away. It, it's coming to her because she has this powerhouse business. So yeah, she is coming from a place of privilege and I'm sure she, she has to care about it from a work perspective, which she sells things for, what she buys things for. But her personally, she just gives it away and then it just comes back to her. So she just doesn't have that care, you know, that worry about it. That's what I took. Yeah. And she's a mom of many children. I was pretty impressed with that. And I think, uh, like you said, she's a huge philanthropist. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think anybody walked away thinking, oh, she's so frivolous or careless or uh, disrespectful. But I think to the contrary, she is uh, very thoughtful about her financial life. Mm -hmm. But it's just that she doesn't really care about money in the way that it would bother her or stress her out. And it's a privilege, but it's also something that she's worked very hard right. to she get built it. to. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, so if you're interested in listening to that episode, it was episode 718. It was April 18th. And Tammy Halton Party, she has sold over $3 billion worth of real estate. So it was also a really good episode about real estate. We talked about some of the best places right now. Still a few pockets of America where you can invest in real estate, not buy a home. 
well, you can still buy a home there, but I was more interested in where can we actually maybe become landlords and have be cash flow positive. And so she gave some some cities, and um, New York was not one of them, by the way. <laughs> I love that episode. It was a really good. It one. was a fun one. Okay, so Marissa's next, and do you want to take this question, or you want to ask? Tell us what's on her mind. And this one comes through Instagram. All right. Well, Marissa on Instagram asks, Hi, Farnoosh. I'm obsessed with your podcast and love your advice. It feels like I'm listening to my friend or sister because you are so knowledgeable and down to earth. Oh, I have a, I know. <laughs> I have a financial question for you. I'm 34 and recently quit my law firm job. She was totally burned out. And I am taking some time to figure out what to do next. Maybe start a business or travel. She has 75000 in a savings account and 300,000 in mutual funds. Uh, and she also has a 401k, but she's not touching that. Her plan is to live off of her savings for a while, but she is not sure if she should leave all the 300,000 in mutual funds because she might need it in the next year. So she wants to know, should I move some or all of it to a savings account? She said that it scares me that the market is so high right now. Is it better to have the money in a safer place in the short term or am I being too risk averse? Thank you so much. Well, I don't think she should move all of it into a savings account. I think that her trepidations about the market are normal and natural, but she's 34. She can weather the storm. And I know she has a 401k, so that's a separate retirement savings vehicle. But I would like to think that these mutual funds are also for her long-term future, mm -hmm. that that it's always nice to have a diversification of investment uh, strategies. And, and so – I think $75,000 to start isn't a bad place. And I don't think she has to make this decision now, but I do think that she wants to be, uh, that she should try to be uh, pretty frugal for the next 12 months. And congrats to you, Marissa, for taking the plunge and listening to yourself and, and knowing that your burnt outness is not a, a sustainable thing and that you're doing the right thing. You're, you're, uh, you know, because a lot of us, I think it's really hard to walk away from something, especially a law a firm law job. job. Yeah. You know, like you probably went to law school. I'm sure you went to law school for this and took, spent a lot of money and now you're pivoting, which is sort of the beauty of life. But I think it's always hard to be in that at that crossroads. And so I applaud you for taking that step. I think that you don't need to move in haste with your $300,000. I don't – I know the market is – People would say, and I tend to agree that you know it's pretty hot right now. We've reached a, kind of a, a frothy point, and of course, there are going to be corrections in our future. To the extent of the corrections, I don't know, but I do know that being 34, you have the advantage of youth and longevity to say that if you're going to not really need this money for another 15, 20, 25 years, that's a long time. Yeah, maybe you can take 10, 15, 20 off the plate, off off this uh, out of this portfolio and save it in a liquid account for your expenses. But see how far you can stretch that 75K. Uh, and, and you know this, Kat, you know, because mm -hmm. as entrepreneurs, um, you don't know when your next paycheck's going to roll in necessarily. Yeah. And so it's all about optimizing the money that you have now. Any advice for Marissa? Yeah, I was going to say I had the same thoughts as you. 75000 is a lot, especially if she's single and wants to travel, which I'm kind of getting that feeling from this. If she wanted to round it out by adding a little bit, she could. But she can 
take that pretty far. She probably live on two years, even traveling full time on that, depending on what she sells or leaves at home. But I would encourage her to read a lot about starting a lean business. You've been to read a lot of guests that are you know, one person businesses that do really well. You're one person business. I'm a one person business. There are a lot of ways. I mean, she said she wants to use some of the money to start a business, but you really don't need to. She can start a little business while she's traveling the world and start documenting what she's doing. I, I think that she just needs to take some time to think about what her business goals might be and that it doesn't have to be start a business or travel. Like she can, she needs to explore it all and use this time, as you said, to pivot. But I agree with you. I think her 300,000 is okay where it is. 75,000 is a lot. Someone who had an intense law firm job and as an attorney, I don't know, maybe after 12 months, she'll be ready to get back to something. Maybe, else, you know, but you know, uh, um, I wrote an article for Oprah Magazine last year about people, women who choose to leave their jobs. It wasn't mm-hmm. because they got fired or laid off. It was just like to hear Marissa talk about being burnt out. That was usually the impetus for a lot of these women leaving their work. Uh, they they knew that they wanted to try something new, travel, pivot, um, maybe go back to their careers, but they needed some time off. And yeah. one of the things that I – advised in the article was that really look into your healthcare situation, you know, because Mm. that's something that you don't want to compromise. You're used to getting it through your employer. Now that you're going to be self-employed or unemployed, it's really important that you cover that base and you know what that is going to cost you. So before you embark on this endeavor, maybe you've already done this, Marissa, but I would look into the, the sort of protecting your self as far as healthcare goes. Um, and also with your retirement, you know, you probably know this, don't cash out your 401k. You're not going to do that. Uh, but really important that you read the fine print, depending on the amount of money in your 401k. Sometimes if it's just a little bit, um, the 401k provider just issues you a check, which is subject to taxes and penalty. And if you want to roll over this money, do it before you start traveling around because the rollover requires a little bit of paperwork and maybe a couple phone calls. So it's good to just kind of get that squared away as well so you know that money is safe and is not going to be subject to any sort of unnecessary penalties or taxes because you accidentally withdrew it or it accidentally got sent home <laughs> in, a, mm-hmm. in a check. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. Good for her, though. It's like a mid, mid-career mid retirement, mini baby retirement, and I think it's great. I think it's important to focus on your mental health and decide what you want to do with the rest of your life. Yeah. I love that millennials are doing this all over the place. It's great. It's so refreshing. Do write about this journey, Marissa, whether you share it publicly on social media, a blog, or just in a journal. Um, do that because I think in that, in that will also be something perhaps to – to leverage later sure. on, you know, whether that's something that you want to turn into a book or a speaking tour, or it could be great fodder for your future interviews. You know, people are going to be asking you about your time off and what you learned and how it was to not just your personal development growth, but like, how are you going to apply what you learned traveling to the new job that you're applying for? So good to kind of keep that a running log of some of that, of those experiences. Jessica now wants to know, should I be working towards paying off my mortgage faster or investing more money in other ways? She has no debt, just the mortgage. 
So I'm sure we get that you get this question a lot, right? As a yeah. family finance expert, it's something that families with houses, I think the mortgage is not just a huge financial weight, but it's an emotional weight. People nope. hate having that debt. It's so true. What do you think? I have some thoughts, but I'll let you go first, Kat. Sure. I, it really comes down to the person. I, you know, we know several different financial experts and they are fine leaving their mortgages as is. That mortgages typically have pretty low interest rates and they feel like they can, you know, beat the interest rate by investing in the market. That's sort of where I am. I'm fine having a mortgage. Our mortgage is three and a half percent. I'm fine letting it ride and continuing to invest. However, if you're someone in this, you're thinking about this every day, Jessica, and it's really bothering you and you just want to wake up and not owe a dime to anyone and it's weighing on you emotionally, then I do think that your emotions matter. And if you can amp it up and pay it off quickly and then use the rest of the time to heavily invest, depending on your age, you'll probably be fine either way. So I think this one is, is an emotional question. It really comes down to Jessica's personal preference. I, I agree. I tend to agree with that. I, I will say, though, that if, if Jessica doesn't have sufficient investments for retirement, in that you're looking at your timeline, your investment horizon, if you feel like you're behind in whether mm -hmm. it's like your 401k or other retirement vehicles, that you beef those up first before paying down the mortgage. I feel like on the priority checklist, it's not mm -hmm. the number one thing no. in terms of like just the mathematically smart thing to do um, and financially wise thing to do, emotions aside. And I know emotions matter a lot, but I want her to arrive at retirement debt-free, but also with enough money in the bank. Sure. And I think you can get there. You, I think you can do both simultaneously, but I think it's more about first, if you have to kind of go through chron chronologically, like how much do I have saved for retirement? Am I where I should be? And well, how do you really answer that question? So some rules of thumb that we tend to use on the show and I've heard elsewhere, and maybe you got one, is you take your... Um, age. So I don't know. I'm, I'm 38, but, and I'm so closer to 40. Uh, a lot of the, the sort of metrics modules and timelines that the financial banks offer say that by 40, you should have about, I think it's two to three times your annual income saved for retirement. If you're, Closer to 30, it should be about your annual income saved. So if you're making about $80,000 a year around the age of 30, that's how much you want to have saved in the bank. If you're making about $150,000 closer to your 40s, then that's uh, you might want to have about $300,000 or more saved for yourself by then. Some of you might be hearing this and like your ears are bleeding. <laughs> um, I know that's really aggressive. And no, these are kind of ideal benchmarks. Sure, sure. But, uh, you know, if you have been contributing 10, 12, 15% every year to your 401k, I think you're probably in good in a good place. So make sure that that base is covered first and then look to um, being more aggressive and, and how to be more aggressive with your mortgage. I mean, David Box written about it in Automatic Millionaire. It's no secret that um, you can, a lot of mortgages will allow you to pay more than just what's the minimum without penalty. And so one extra mortgage payment a year or paying um, every two weeks uh, as opposed to once a month could get you that extra payment a year. And that can really chip away at that balance. And putting it towards the principal, not 
mortgage and not the interest plus principal is is a faster way to knock down the balance. Uh, but good luck to you, Jessica. And let us know as with everybody who asks questions, keep me posted on, on how things shake out. Yeah, good question. Okay. Stick, sticking with real estate, Monica has a question about investing in real estate through sites like Fundrise and other sorts of crowdfunding sites for real estate. Um, she says that she'd like to start building a real estate portfolio. She's also saving for a down payment. You found some interesting research on this, right? Right. Yeah. I found a great blog post from a blogger called Passive Income MD, and he listed all of the different real estate crowdfunding websites that he thinks are, you know, legitimate and places that he would use himself. And this, this is sort of a, a newer thing for Arnoosh, and a lot of people are using it, but it is an alternative investment. This is something that if you had extra money to spare, you might want to diversify a little bit, then perhaps you can look into crowdfunding for real estate. Right. And thanks for doing the research. PassiveIncomeMD.com is the website where the, he breaks it down. And a lot of these sites, just so you know, they want accredited investors. This isn't for people who have bad credit or no. are you know living paycheck to paycheck. It's, it's an alternative investment. So at this point, if you reach to this point in your financial life, you've paid off your debts, you're making enough money to cover your expenses and then some, you're saving and you've saved enough for six to nine months in case of an emergency, you're paying into your retirement accounts and you're on track. And now you're like, okay, I have a little bit more money to play with. Mm -hmm. And emotionally, we talked about emotions earlier, you also want to be at a place in your financial life where you're okay with risk. Right. If you're risk averse, I don't know if this is really for you. Um, and also you have to like real estate, you know, you have to kind of be interested in this. And I think that's another uh, thing to point out. It sounds like she is, she looks like she wants to, you know, expand her real estate portfolio. When she talks about saving for a down payment cat, I just hope that she's not considering this real estate fundrise investing strategy as a way to save for the down payment, that these are two yeah. separate activities that, right. you know, she's got her down payment account that she's saving into and that she is maybe taking a little bit more risk with these sites. Um, yeah. The other sites that he mentioned, uh, Passive Income MD, maybe I should get him on the webs on the podcast. Do you know yeah. him personally? I do. I'll intro you. Please. Because, you know, I love all things passive income, but he likes realty shares as well. He gives a bunch of places, Pierce Street, Alpha Flow, Rich Uncles, Realty Mogul, Fundrise, which is the one that she points out. His his uh, review of Fundrise, I'll just read it. It's, it's short. He says, they market themselves as the alternative to investing in stocks and bonds. They provide access to private market real estate through their e-REITs and e-funds. You can build a portfolio using the various products to meet your goals. Some are available to non-accredited investors. So okay. if 
but still, I'd say if you're not like ready to lose some money, <laughs> don't yeah. do something like this. Yeah. It's just like it's how not I, a way to make a quick buck for your down payment for your house. No. This is something outside of that for sure. Yeah, and be careful because I went on to some of these sites and they boast these really higher than average rates of return. And yeah, maybe in the past five years, like most investments, it's sure. done well. But I'd rather look at like a 10, 20 year historical price chart and see how these uh, investments have done. Some of them don't have the history, frankly. Right. This is like a newer thing. They're young. Mm-hmm. So take it all with a grain of salt. All right. Last but not least, this is a goodie. I want to answer this question because it's it's for a parent or a parent-to-be, and you and I are both mommies. So Megan says, is it possible to con- contribute to a Roth IRA for a future child? She says, my partner and I are not expecting, but we would like to start saving for college ASAP. All right. Uh, I know you've done some work with um, brands kind of in this space, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit. Yeah. I'm, I think she's asking the right questions. Like I kind of feel like Megan, no matter what you do, because you're already thinking about this, (laughs) you're a okay. Like you're going to be fine. Your child will have adequate college funds. And, um, it's great that you're asking about a a Roth IRA for a future child. We know that's a great investment vehicle to choose, but I don't think Farnoosh that you can open a Roth IRA unless you actually have a social security number, right? That you exist. Yeah. So you can open up a 529 plan for an unborn Mm -hmm. child. You just have to switch the beneficiary to your child once from you to your child once their child's born. But a Roth IRA, because you have to invest the the money that goes into a Roth IRA, the eligible dollars that can be invested in a Roth IRA have to be earned income. And if you're not alive, you're not, you haven't earned anything, um, presumably. So the idea is that you have to be alive and you also have to be making money from right. a, uh, a, an approved source. And so that needs to happen. And so, yeah, your child who's two, three, five could be making money through various jobs, acting, modeling. YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> if you have a business and you're yeah. employing your child – uh, for, uh, you know, whatever, I think that can also technically be, uh, uh, an eligible way to, um, open up an, an, uh, sorry, I think that can then constitute you to open up a Roth IRA in the name of your kid. So you're basically a custodian for this account until your child turns 18 and then they can basically take over from there. But all the other same Roth IRA rules apply. You can't contribute more than uh, 50, well, this year, $5,500 and it cannot exceed. So what's the other, what's the other stipulation? It's something about. Um, oh, and, and you cannot contribute more than what the child earned in that year. And so, so if they only earned a thousand, you can't put 5,500 in there for them. They can only put in what they have earned. Exactly. Um, so if your concern is college and you definitely know that your unborn child is going to go to college, (laughs) (laughs) then you might look into a 529 because that can give you the head start that you're looking for. Sure. But if you don't know, which I don't blame you. Um, then a Roth IRA might be better because you have more flexibility with the Roth IRA. Obviously, you can use that for a number of expenses, but it is an, the sort of account that you cannot open until your child is born and eligible, earning money to be able to qualify for the Roth. 
Hope that makes sense. And the good news is, though, is that, you know, these were these sort of vehicles, the Roth IRA for a child, sometimes they're called like kitty funds, kitty Roth IRAs. They didn't quite exist, you know, mm-hmm. like a decade ago. They're becoming more ubiquitous and especially the bigger brokerages. So you can definitely go in and walk into your brokerage or call and ask about them to get more of the details. Some of the plans vary depending on, um, you know, the different banks, obviously the different investment access and choices. But I like where her head's at. Yeah, she, you're going to be fine, Megan. You're, you're asking you, all you the right questions. will be fine. <laughs> I mean, she's listening to financial podcasts. That's already, yeah. she's already ahead of the curve. She's all right in my book. Exactly. So. All right, everyone. Thank you for the questions. And Catherine, thank you so much. Any plans for Senko de Mayo? Oh, you know me, just partying hard, Farnoosh. I'm scared of <laughs> I didn't even know it was coming lots. Up. Yeah. Uh, uh, who knows? Well, it was really nice to catch up. And as always, thank you for the advice. And we'll be sure to send everyone over to katherinealford.com for more on keeping up with Catherine and just being inspired. She keeps it real and raw and we love her for it. And we'll have you back hopefully sooner than later. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you. And everybody, hope your weekend is so money. Money.